Hello, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 2 of the City Diplomacy Student Podcast. This podcast is for our City Diplomacy's course taught by Lorenzo Kilgren Grandi for the spring semester of 2023 at Sciences Po School of International Affairs. In this season, we will be talking about the added value of international city networks, and today we will be focusing on Cities for Forest. I'm Diana Carrillo-Risi, and along with my fellow classmate, Jeanne Chassero, we will be exploring Cities for Forest further. Cities are expanding rapidly around the world, and by 2050, almost 70% of global population will be living in cities, and 1.6 billion people rely on the world's forests for food and income. Did you know that tropical forests are responsible for 20% of di uh, direct GHG emissions and approximately 70-80% to 80 of world emissions-related consumption comes from cities? The behavior of governments, businesses, institutions within cities drives deforestation because of the related cities' consumptions. Diana, would you like to present the Cities for Forests network and its origins? Yes, of course. Cities for Forests is an initiative of the World Resource Institute, a leading American environmental think tank who launched the Cities for Forests Network on September 12, 2018 at the Global Climate Action Summit. 45 cities from six continents joined the initiative. Cities for Forests was co-founded by Scott Francisco, who is an urbanist and an architect by training. Scott Francisco grew up as a lover of nature and realized that there was a disconnect among cities in what cities consume. He wanted to foster ways in which cities can also help the great forest of the world, and not only benefit, but instead mutually benefit from each other. Now let's look more specifically at Cities for Forest goals. Cities for Forest's main goal is to aid cities in conserving, managing, and restoring inner forests, nearby forests, faraway forests, to reduce deforestation and foster forest-positive actions. Do you mind further explaining what inner forests, nearby forests, and faraway forests are? Yes, of course. Within inner forests, the notion of conserving green spaces within cities aids in filtering air. Green spaces also decrease the urban heat island effect, increasing local biodiversity, and green spaces are also linked to longer life expectancies. Nearby forests take into account forests around cities that can also aid in buffering the city against floods, landslides, and the effects of natural disasters. According to the Nature Conservancy, 1.7 billion people in cities depend on nearby forests and watersheds for their drinking water. Nearby forests also provide spaces for recreation and healthy lifestyles. Faraway forests link the behavior and the consumption of cities and links the rural and urban divide by partnering with forests around the world. But let's look more into that later. Just to keep expanding, now that we understand what these three different levels of forest Cities for Forest focuses on, Cities for Forest provides technical assistance in the network, incorporating specific strategy plans, knowledge sharing, and providing peer-to-peer -peer learning and community activities for cities to take action together. In addition to partnering with its founding organization, growing research in these areas and advocacy, spreading this forest-positive rhetoric with hopes of attracting more cities into the network too. Cities for Forests has the ambition to become one of the leading environmental advocacy networks, and to do so, its geographical scope casts a wide net. Currently, 88 cities of all sizes are members of the City for Forests network, 
ranging from large metropolises like Sao Paulo, Addis Abeba, and Barcelona to intermediary cities like Eugene in the United States and its 175,000 inhabitants. Members include cities from North and South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, and Oceania. The network's ambition is to be welcoming of all cities committed to the fight against climate change, and as such it has very few membership requirements as well as no membership fees. To become members, cities have to prove their commitment to understanding their impact on forests and show a record of promoting environment-friendly policies. Members also have to be willing to collaborate with their respective government agencies and other cities for the protection of forests. As a result of this welcoming policy, the network has almost doubled its size since 2018. Cities like Cartagena in Colombia and Chalapa in Mexico are among Cities for Forest's most recent additions, with many more cities to come in the future. In order to achieve its goals to protect forests globally, Cities for Forest creates dialogue between cities committed to protecting their forests. To do so, it has adopted a unique form of governance. The network is structured like a coalition, but unlike most organizations, it does not hold yearly meetings. Rather, Cities for Forests events piggyback on existing meetings when policymakers are already attending, such as co conferences or World Urban Forums. Cities for Forests is organized into three main bodies, the Secretariat, the Cities for Forest experts, and the members. Cities for Forests is publicly represented by Secretariat, which attends conf conferences and assures the leadership of the network. Its 14 members are all high-ranking members of Cities for Forests' three founding organizations, namely the World Resources Institute, Pilot Projects, and Revolve. The network's current directors are Pilot Projects' Scott Francisco and the World Resource Institute's Todd Gartner. Cities for Forests can also count on a team of environment experts and researchers from around the world who offer one-on-one -on -one policy-making assistance to member cities. Additionally, member cities can decide to form working groups to collaborate on common issues. Overall, Cities for Forests does not aim to revolutionize cities' relationship to their forests. Rather, the network describes itself as a toolbox for cities who want to protect their forests more efficiently. Cities for Forest membership offers access to a range of services, such as carbon footprint calculators and technical assistance from experts, and cities get to decide which of these services they may need. As mentioned previously, Cities for Forest offers free memberships. As such, the organization is funded by three external donors. The first one is Norway's International Climate and Forest Initiative, an international development fund through which Norway supports forest initiatives by allocating up to $290 million per year. The second donor is the FEMSA Foundation, which is FEMSA Group's philanthropic organization. FEMSA Group is a multinational company operating mostly in Latin America and owning the Oxo franchise and multiple Coca-Cola bottling franchises. Finally, the last donor is the UK's Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. Now that we've established the base um, of the network, could you expand on some of the network's main activities and give examples to some programs? Yes, of course, Jeanne. Cities for Forests is currently working with the procurement and climate team in Oslo, looking at the government of Oslo's coffee consumption in hopes of looking at the overall city's consumption next. 
Although looking at the overall city consumption of coffee is difficult, Cities for Forests has a forest footprint dashboard, which looks at the commodities within each city that are driving deforestation. Commodities such as timber, coffee, beef, soy, and others. Cities for Forests from this dashboard was able to focus on Oslo for its high coffee consumption. With the data from the footprint dashboard, consumption is translated into deforestation, looking into how many hectares of deforestation is embedded into the consumption of coffee, in the case of Oslo, but this dashboard is used for other commodities as well. Cities for Forests therefore aids in providing tools for measuring consumption and its impacts, and through its partner forest program, partnering cities to partner forests and communities that sustainably manage, restore, and conserve forests while producing forest-positive commodities. Another recent example is Paris. Paris became a, a part of Cities for Forests at COP26 and is currently looking at sourcing low-impact tropical timber, which 50% of its Olympics infrastructure will need. As a result, Cities for Forest is currently working with the C40 Cities Network, which is a similar environmental cities network, in order to, to, to together respect the impact of the timber and to find um, alternative sources of timber um, with countries in Africa. The Partner Forest Programme, which is the programme in which this initiative takes place, demonstrates the power of thinking globally and acting locally by making sure that cities help prevent deforestation, by supporting forests and communities around the world that are protecting forests by still producing quality products. This initiative provides a market for these forest-friendly products. For more information of Cities for, for Forest initiatives, please refer to the Cities for Forest website under the Partner Forest Programme. Cities for Forests is also active in reporting action with partnerships and other organizations. For instance, the Better Forests, Better Cities report is the first of its kind to synthesize research papers and reports showing how different forest types can be beneficial to cities on different levels. Some findings include the benefits of nature-based solutions to cities and its residents, the significant benefits forests provide to human health, water security, biodiversity, among others. With this report and other reports, Cities for Forests publishes with its partner organizations. Cities for Forests is active advocating their benefits between cities and forests in conferences, workshops, and in climate negotiations such as COP26 and advocating on social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram, and on its webpage. Throughout our research on Cities for Forest, we came across um, a number of quite puzzling elements about Cities for Forest. So now we'll look into Cities for Forest's strength and the challenges that it may face in the upcoming years. One of the greatest strengths of Cities for Forest is how it is a toolbox for cities, allowing tailored guidance to cities with regards to expertise in forests, climate change, water, communication, finance, and policy. These tools aid cities in protecting inner forests, nearby forests, and faraway forests. Several cities have signed up recently, possibly due to the 2050 climate neutral commitments and ambitious targets, showing how there is an increase in importance of forest positive strategies and cities are looking towards cities for forest tools and network for assistance. Apart from being a toolbox for cities, Cities for Forests links different scales of consumption and production, linking small communities and bigger cities, finding the challenges of current imports that drives de uh, deforestation elsewhere. Cities for Forests, as we have previously stated, provides guidance for cities with regards to timber, uh, cocoa, 
coffee and rubber and links forest positive producers to consumers. Cities for forest flexibility and non-binding nature allow cities to move at their own pace. Cities for Forest by piggybacking and using conferences as platforms for uniting member cities allows a space for cities to learn from new initiatives and get other cities on board. And lastly, another strength of Cities for Forest is how active it is online, on online platforms, advocating and sharing its research that provides policy recommendations tailored to cities outlining how forests can deliver a wide range of benefits. However, although Cities for Forest does have um, extensive an extensive set of strengths, it also has a few weaknesses that we'd like to address briefly. The fact that Cities for Forests is non-binding can also be one of its weaknesses, as it cannot keep countries accountable for its commitments. By 2025, cities will have to implement programs within cities with regards to inner, nearby, and faraway forests. Cities already had a first goal that was supposed to be met in 2020, but there are no reports showing the outcomes or achievements of these cities. COVID-19 might be one of the reasons for slower reporting, so we will have to keep an eye out for the years to come. The network also shows coordination challenges, only relying on meetings within conferences, which we will explore more in our uh, analysis of Cities for Forests' threats. We also believe that this is still a young network founded in 2018, and with some logistical aspects that still need improvement, there was also a, a negative impact of COVID-19 on the network. As I just mentioned, it's been five years since um, the creation of Cities for Forest. So far, the network has been working on establishing itself as one of the leading city networks in the area of environmental politics. One of the key challenges currently faced by Cities for Forest is to position itself as a relevant and efficient actor in the long run and to deliver effective policies. In order to do so, Cities for Forest must take advantage of a range of opportunities offered by the current global environmental context. First of all, Cities for Forests must anticipate a possible influx of new members as the 2030 net zero deadline under the Paris Agreement is fast approaching. The Paris Agreement calls for a final target of the net zero carbon emissions by 2050 with an intermediary deadline in 2030. By then, governments must have found a way to cut their carbon emissions by 45%. We can be hopeful that the urgency of this deadline will push more cities to reach out to their international counterparts in order to cooperate in developing greener policies. Cities for Forests should seize this opportunity to welcome new members by increasing its actions, and we'll talk about it in an instant. The organization has been relatively quiet on the international scene lately. Secondly, Cities for Forests could learn from the activities of similar environmental city networks. Numerous similar initiatives have been very active in the area of climate advocacy in the last few years, such as the C40 Cities Network that we mentioned previously, amongst others. C40 Cities was founded in 2005 and is one of the oldest and most active networks trying to prevent global warming, with 94 members. Following the Paris Agreement, one of C40 City's flagship projects was the support it provided to its members, developing individual 1.5-degree climate action plans, with a deadline in 2020. The creation of such common frameworks has pushed C40 City's members to adopt concrete actions to reduce their carbon footprint. As of today, no similar initiatives exist in Cities for Forest. 
It's true that in Cities for Forest members agreed to incorporate all levels of forests into their policies by 2025. However, this is only a mere agreement, and a possible next step would be the creation of a common framework for all. More generally, Cities for Forest could take more inspiration from similar initiatives. Throughout our research, we also came across what we could qualify as the threats to Cities for Forest action. As mentioned previously, Cities for Forest is a relatively young network and it is trying to find its pace in a changing global environment. However, there are a few elements that could hinder its action and this is what we're going to discuss now. The first major threat we, ident we identified is Cities for Forest struggle to keep up with global environmental politics. Cities for Forest is indeed a young network, yet the global environmental agenda moves at a very high pace, and Cities for Forest still has to prove whether it's able to hold in the long run. As we said earlier, the organization's whole concept is that its events piggyback of international conferences and major global events. However, Cities for Forest has remained generally quiet since 2021. It's true that the network organized a series of webinars on the margins of global events, but overall, City for Forest was absent from the major forest-related international events. For example, the network was completely absent at COP27 last October, when its whole concept relies on using major conferences to pursue its advocacy work. Similarly, Cities for Forest does not have any event lined up for the One Forest Summit, which is set to take place in Libreville in less than three weeks. This is one of our main doubts with this network. Although its actions are interesting, does Cities for Forests have the ability to avoid being drowned amongst the multiplicity of coalitions that have been recently created in the environmental sector? The second external threat we identified is the possibility of power imbalance between city members and national governments. The Cities for Forests membership is non-binding and cities uh, don't risk anything if they fail to reach their targets. Therefore, how can we make sure that cities will continue implementing Cities for Forest policies if national governments are hostile to their actions? There is simply no guarantee that members will implement forest-related policies in the long term. This threat is, however, not specific to Cities for Forest, but rather, it is inherent to city diplomacy in general. Cities are key actors of international relations, Yet in most states, they are relatively limited by the political orientation of national governments. The interesting part is how cities navigate this limited ad uh, agency that they have. In the case of Cities for Forest, it is rather interesting to note that many members of the network are Brazilian cities, despite Brazil being under a far-right and pro-deforestation government for four years. Finally, it is interesting to note that we actually haven't found many more threats to Cities for Forest and we have a hypothesis as to why that is. The ties that unite member cities are relatively loose, as the organization has no yearly meetings, very few projects that unite members. Therefore, the network does not hold any bargaining power over anyone, which could explain why it is not really threatened at the moment. To conclude, today we have learned that Cities for Forests is a network that encourages cities to better conserve, manage, and restore forests by providing technical assistance in aligning local policies, creating networks to share knowledge, providing peer-to-peer -peer learning, and community activities for cities to take action together. Although it is a relatively new network, we are hopeful that we will be able to track its progress in the near future, and we are certain that more cities will be joining the network in the future too. To end, 
let us remember that as consumers, it is our responsibility to protect the forest near and far. I'm Jeanne. And I'm Diana. And thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. See you next time. Thank you.